Three times in chapter 7 of Romans, Paul says that sin takes opportunity of the commandments of God to cause us to sin. That's a very, very interesting fact, because when things are repeated three times like that, they generally mean very important emphasis. And so we need to be aware of what God is trying to tell us in regard to how our conscience works and how we uh, uh, are able to walk through the world with God's presence, even though we may be struggling in one way or another. Let's uh, explore these verses a little bit more today before we move on. Colin Cook here and How It Happens. Thanks for joining me today. You're listening to the good news of the gospel, the God that we serve has a heart of gold, a heart of love for the human race, and through his Son he has set about, and the Holy Spirit, rescuing the world. And we need to trust in him, and as we learn the gospel, our ability to trust increases so that we can move forward with God in the struggles of life as well as the joys. Well, thanks for listening today. You're listening to How It Happens, as I said, and Colin Cook, and you can hear this broadcast any time of the day or night on your smartphone. Simply download a free app, SoundCloud or Spotify or Podbean, and key in How It Happens with Colin Cook when you get there. You can also hear the program on the radio at 10 o'clock in the evening, repeated at 4 in the morning on KLTT AM 670 in the Denver and Colorado and surrounding states areas. So what we have here then, Paul, remember this is all in the context of life in the kingdom of grace is freedom from the judgment and condemnation of the law. We died to the law. We died to that which held us captive. Now then, as I said, Paul says three times uh, what I described at the introduction of this program. Let me read those verses to you. But sin... This is verse uh, 8 now. But sin, taking opportunity by the commandment, produced in me all manner of evil desire. For apart from the law, sin was dead. And verse 11, For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me, and by it killed me. And then verse 13, Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not, but sin that it might appear sin was producing death in me through what is good, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. These are just incredibly interesting verses, quite remarkable. What they are saying then, let's try to review this slowly because we've been talking about it for several days, but it really needs to sink in, is that Satan tempts us. Now, don't ask me whether he, well, you can ask me, but this, I'll give you my response. Does Satan whisper into the mind? I don't think so. He's not a divine being like the Holy Spirit who can speak into our minds. But he can create circumstances in our lives that lead us to think his thoughts. And so here we are thinking his thoughts, sin taking opportunity through the commandment. Satan behind sin, sin is being personified here as I said the other day, 
takes opportunity by the commandment. Now, as I said, you would not think that Satan cares about commandment keeping, and he doesn't. He's lawless. But he knows that you and I can be inflicted with enormous guilt and shame and fear if he appeals to the commandments. In other words, we're tempted, and so we get aroused, and then once we are aroused, he says, well, really, you shouldn't do that. Uh, this is wrong. This is not according to the commandments. And we suddenly become freaked out or afraid by virtue of what the commandment says. That fear has all the ingredients in it of guilt and shame, and then fear, mixed all in together. Well, what's the effect of that? Loss of control. People who are ridden with guilt and shame and fear, that's all of us at various times of our lives and, and, day, and various times of the day, maybe, are ridden, those people, with, uh, when we are ridden with guilt and shame and fear, we are out of control. We are in some form of either mild or intense panic. And what does that do? It causes us to run away from God, to hide from God, just as Adam and Eve did in, in those first days of the world. And when we run away from God, we run into our darkness. And when we are in our darkness, we are like in an isolated, lonely, desolate cave. We are frightened all the more, and there is no comfort in that cave except what? Except sin. We can, of course, if we have faith, call upon God in that cave. Yes, that's what we must learn to do. But until we do, faith, uh, the, the loneliness of the darkness without God, leads us to seek comfort in sin. So this is how this works, you see. Look at verse, uh, uh, I read verse 8 there. Let's look at verse uh, 10 in the same way, uh, 11. For sin, taking occasion by the commandment, deceived me and by it killed me. See, Satan's work takes occasion, takes an opportunity, says this is my moment, by the commandment. When we're concentrating on how uh, our mind and, and behavior should obey the law of God, we are looking at principles rather than the personhood of Jesus. And then look at verse 13. Has then what is good become death to me? Certainly not. There's no, the law is holy, Paul points out, and, and the, the commandment is holy and just and good. There's nothing wrong with the commandments, it, uh, the commandment itself. But it's when the law interacts with our human nature that it produces sin because of the guilt and the shame and the fear that we have within us. And so it says here in verse 13, But sin, that it might appear sin, was producing death in me through what is good. That is the commandment, you see. Because it says, so that sin through the commandment might become exceedingly sinful. So you see, the commandment heightens sin. It becomes exceedingly sinful, and it actually arouses sin. That's verse 5. Why is it important to say all this? Because it is not obvious. It is not 
clearly logical to the mind without faith. If we are Christians who have learned all that we should be, our moral life, how it should be, without understanding the atonement of Jesus Christ, then we will simply be inflicted with guilt and shame and fear by the law, and that guilt and shame and fear by the law will increase our sin. That is why so many Christians are addicts. Have you thought about that? You would think that Christians would have the best methodology and teaching on recovery from addiction anywhere in the world. But as far as I remember from a few minimal statistics, I think, there is as much addiction in Christian communities as there is in non-Christian communities. I would wager that there is more because so much of modern Christianity teaches the lifestyle of a Christian without teaching the atonement of Jesus Christ. If you learn just the lifestyle, you will be ridden with more and more guilt as that lifestyle is described to you and you realize you're not conforming with it. So the guilt embeds itself and the fear and the shame of being found out either by God or our community. And when that happens, the more we try to refrain from our sins and addictions, the worse they get because it is not the object of choice that is what brings us back into addiction, but the state of mind of guilt and shame and fear. And thus what we need to learn is the atoning work of Jesus Christ, how our God, in his love for us, has brought to us the good news that we are freed from the judgment of the law, that we are freed from the identity of sin, that we are freed from the wrath of God, so that we now have fellowship and communion with him. We can talk to him in the darkness. We can speak our minds to him. We can tell him of all uh, the crudities of our uh, desires. We can look to him knowing there is no judgment. Now, when you do this and talk to him this way, then your own soul comes alive. Do you understand? Your center, the center of your humanity, of yourself, re-emerges the sense of being a person. You see, you know as well as I do that in addiction, those of you who are experienced with addiction know that the sense of self is almost eradicated during an addiction binge. There is simply a, a glob of, of um, intense desire, but there is no sense of self that makes a decision to indulge in that desire. It is simply and a flow from desire to action. But when we become, when we start talking to God and feel the freedom to talk to God without judgment and fear, self re-emerges, the self in Jesus Christ, that is. And as it emerges, we realize there is a gap between desire and action. And it is desire and faith and action. That is, 
The gap that exists between desire and action is the faith gap. Once that faith gap is introduced again, and we can trust in our God and we can praise him that we are freed from judgment and that we that the power of this thing has already been broken and that we are not condemned by it. All these things, you can express yourself in many wonderfully different ways uh, to God our Father. When you know that, then you begin to break the power of the core of addiction, which is the state of mind. It isn't easy. Faith fights against screaming lies to our minds by the forces of evil. But we can, we can do this, because faith is stronger than lies. Faith in God and faith in what Christ has done for us is far stronger than all the kingdom of darkness put together. The program comes to you by listener-supported donations, and so if you would like to help to keep the program going, I would appreciate it very much. It costs $39 per broadcast of 15 minutes, which is about $850 to $900 per month. One or two people over various uh, periods of months or years uh, will donate a whole month's broadcast um, costs, and that's very much appreciated. Or you can make a donation of any kind, $5, $15, $50, whatever. Um, you may send your donation to FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. That's FaithQuest, P.O. Box 366, Littleton, Colorado, 80160. Or you can make your donation online at faithquestradio.com. That's faithquestradio.com. You know, the broadcast is now in its 24th year. Thanks be to God and to you whom he inspires to support it. Thank you very, very much. And thank you for your notes. Sometimes people send a little note with their donation to let me know how it's the program's helping them. And that's so encouraging. Thanks. I'll see you next time then. Cheerio and God bless.